Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at FilmBustersPod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk And if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters Alright, can we just get on with this now please? Filmbusters So the latest on the whole Alec Baldwin thing as I understand it to be is that the second assistant or the assistant director on the set has said that he was should have been, or it was his responsibility to check that the gun that he handed to Alec Baldwin was clear of live rounds, and is, he didn't do is that. Is this the lady? So, no, the lady, so the, was, la- the, the armorer, lady was saying something about how she felt that she was being thrown in the deep end, didn't she? She supplies the weapons, doesn't she? Yeah, so but she was the, the first armorer. ever time she was doing it like this, and she was like, she was saying something even before this all happened in like an interview or whatever that she felt a bit out of her depth and a bit all that kind of stuff well she was 24 she's the the daughter of a very famous armorer in Hollywood apparently Mm -hmm. Uh, but that goes to show that nepotism is rife in Hollywood and she just gets the fucking job because her dad was good at it of course and uh, early on in her career someone has now died Uh, but I don't know whose fault it is I like for example they're talking about the fact that people were taking the gun in between sets and like were firing off rounds on like shooting practice practice. so is it her job as armorer to make sure those guns never have live bullets in because if so then She's negligible. If the assistant director is supposed to check the gun before handing it over, then he's negligible. But also, have you seen Jeffrey Wright and Harvey Keitel and Ray Liotta have all piled in on Alec Baldwin and said, never on a set do you fire, as an actor, never do you fire a gun without checking it yourself first. It's like the done thing. They're like, he should have checked that fucking gun. And they've all gone on record on video to say this. Mm. I'll send you the video afterwards. But that's that's pretty fucking harsh from them, innit? Yeah, I think I think it's a it's just a, a culmination of loads of fuck ups, and it probably it is, happens it all is. the time. But this is the one time that it's actually gone fatally wrong. Oh fucking! But yeah. you can imagine people just use going out using the guns all the time. Yeah, well, it doesn't even surprise me. And that's the one time, or like it's 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 easy slip ups that just culminated in this fatal accident. How many times do you reckon a gun has gone off on a set? Where loads. it's just missed somebody and then we never hear about it. Loads. Mm. Because they know that they're going to shut their film down. Or they're going to shut shut down part of the industry. Like, the yeah. people who supply the guns will have to... Like, imagine this, just missed her or something like that. They'd have just gone, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure they said that there had been two cases, two accidental discharges of the gun on that shoot earlier. Alone. On that one film. Yeah, on that For one film. Sake, man. Yeah. I mean, I'd feel 
Is Alex, is Alex Baldwin responsible though? Because he's a producer on the film, isn't he? So he well, he, he could. There could be corporate manslaughter charges because, as a producer, like. But the argument is like you know how, as a producer, he finances the film. He has overall oversight of the film, but though, then he can't it? do all the details. He can't then do every single thing yeah, on set himself. So if but some, apparently he's responsible for people on the someone, film, like the couple that they were late to shooting that day because loads of crew left because they didn't want to film on the film they didn't they were saying these working conditions aren't good enough the yeah, everything that's going on around union it. members yeah they did and then that's why the film was late and apparently that's why the camera and the shot was then moved because the sunlight moved or something like that <clears throat> well they were inside they were doing it inside the church and supposedly he was showing how he was going to yeah. position the gun I mean I, whatever happens like I, I'm sure that well I can't be sure of anything but I'm pretty sure that Alec Baldwin didn't intentionally yeah, kill that person. I don't so think you've got to feel to fucking anyone. terrible for him because what he must be going through now. Yes, of course, of course, her kid and her her husband, what they're going through. But to know that you've killed someone completely accidentally, just in the line of you doing your job, like part of his job was pulling that trigger on a fake gun. Mm-hmm. So it, like you typing an email and hitting send. Yeah. And that kills someone. And that killing someone. Yeah. It's like I was just doing my fucking job, mm. but then there'll be all these conversations about right. Well, as producer, if there were complaints from crew that it was an unsafe working environment and those weren't taken seriously, and now someone is dead because of that, then you you are negligible. Mm. Mm. If he wasn't producer, I think you could quite clearly just keep him off scot free. But the fact that he is a producer and could have changed certain settings, like he uploaded a video a week or two ago before it happened saying to all those people who were striking do it you have to that it's important that you strike because you need better working conditions but it's like but you're the producer mm-hmm. can't you change that mm. yeah anyway I don't know surely as a, he can't be the sole producer of that film there's so many different producers on no there. there'll be many yeah he's probably throwing money and that's it <laughs> but you think if you're a producer and you're presumably the lead actor you probably have the most clout Mm, mm. Yeah, you say so, yeah. Well, I don't know. It just sounds like a bit of a shit show, and it sounds yeah. like 100%. a shame that somebody had to die for a shit show as well. Well, yeah. 100% it's going to change now, isn't it? Surely. I mean, you would think it would change. Do you reckon the film will get made? No. I don't. Well, certainly not with oh, him. It's definitely going to have like a, a cloud over it, isn't it, if you try and release that film? There is yeah. almost a part of it that's like, you Miles honour her and like, make not her work for nothing... Like, yeah, but also like, but then the if whole, the film yeah. is shit, which it probably is, it's going to be like some crap B movie, isn't it? Do you want that then getting out there? And it'll be like the film, like more people would watch it because of the fact that this happened, and everyone will be like, oh, which scene was it? Oh, this was the scene. It's a bit ghoulish to release it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think I think just it will have to be binned. I reckon they'll probably release it. <laughs> no, terrible. They'll change the laws. Carry on filming. Job done. This Old film school. is for Hollywood. That person, fucked up Hollywood. Yeah, mm-hmm. you would have, you would have thought it would change from Brandon Lee, but apparently not. Mm. Uh, I mean, accidents do happen and shit, but yeah, of course, yeah. of course. But Sad old shit, man. Mm. Should we talk about something more exciting now? Yes, yes please. This, let's talk about what we're doing this episode, which is Midnight Run. It's a suggestion from one of our patrons, Jamie Russell. It is Jamie Russell. He has taken the reins and said, boys, you are doing Midnight Run today. 
you have no choice and we're going to go and do it because we love our patrons like that that's right mm. what do you get as a patron for the film buses all different things you can have everything from a one pound chip in to a tenner chip in gets you things like video content additional reviews end of month reviews bonus episodes where we talk extensively and additionally to what we're covering in this episode you're listening to now you get the option to select films for us to cover let people know what you've been watching yes all sorts you get t-shirts some stickers. and stickers too yes you love get, the stickers you get a little chat with us so you can chat oh, yeah, shit to us when we're not chatting shit at you no oh, yeah lovely um, and we got Christmas coming up. Oh yeah, and we got a special Christmas episode. Yes, don't forget about Literally. that. Details to follow. Details, dear patrons. To follow patrons. I don't even mm-hmm. know what it is. <laughs> and if you no. want to become a patron, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters, and you become a patron just like the likes of Steve from Movie Drone. Yes, you can. Uh, we also have Katie and Osi from uh, the For Your Reference podcast. And yes, and we have Julio from the Contrarians. He's in Texas over there. He's all over in Texas. Yeah. And then we have Sean Panda Nicholson. He is one of two Scots on this patron channel. The other Scot is picking the episode, Jamie Russell, who we mentioned previously. Yes, indeed. Next up, we have our old friend Nerd Revert. Not from Texas, but from Albuquerque. I think he's from Texas, moved to Albuquerque. Yes. Yeah. Is that not correct? That's right. We also have Fiona Stewart, the mega Joaquin Phoenix fan. Yes, you do. You've got (laughs) Philip Barantini, who directed the film Boiling Point, which Ben said was his favourite film of the year. Correct. Still is. Still is. Yeah, look at those beautiful people. How wonderful. We love you all, and you can join them, so please do. Yes, after this episode, we're doing our monthly roundup of October, so it's all our best films, our top three favourite films of October, and our one worst film. That's very fun. We've already recorded it, but you can listen after this episode. Right, before we get on to Midnight Run, should we go quickly on to the quiz? Let's do it. We've got to do it. Well, if if this is your first time on Film Busters, we do a quiz every episode where I ask Adam and Ben two questions. If they get the questions right, they get points. If they get them wrong, I get the points. The whole quiz is on Midnight Run today. Ben, you're on 31 points. Adam, you're on 23 points. And I'm on yes. 16 points. I've definitely got to bring this back. If I don't bring it back in the next two or three, it's game over, isn't it? it is. Yeah, it is. It's pretty much game over. If I take these two points today, I think that's it. Your goose is cooked. Your goose will be surely cooked. Yes. <laughs> right, are you ready for the first one? Yeah. Here we go. When we first see Jack Walsh, a.k.a. Robert De Niro, he is chasing down a perp for his bounty. When he eventually catches him, the man says, You guys aren't cops! To which he replies, No, we are... What? Bounty hunters? Wrong. No. Hmm. Is it your worst nightmare? Wrong! (laughs) He says ballet dancers. (laughs) Really? Does he? Yes! Mm. He says ballet, ballet dancers. dancers. <laughs> you sure he doesn't say no? We're bounty hunters. He says ballet dancers. Are you sure? Yes. Did you get like the TV edited version? No. What bounty? You can't say bounty hunters. <laughs> yeah, they might be like yeah. He says it. no. We're ballet dancers. Yes. Are you serious? That's not a very funny line, is it? No, we're bounty hunters. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that line was meant to be funny. <laughs> it was. It is quite dancers. a comedy film, isn't it? Yeah, but I th- I thought he was just establishing, no, we're bounty hunters. 
Are you sure he says ballet I, dancers? I, why Why would I write it down? Yeah, this, but where did Should you... I see if I can fact check online? Yeah. What the fuck's going on? You guys ain't cops. No, we're ballet dancers. <laughs> that was my Robert De Niro impression. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> how Just dare you bit, How dare you bit. question the quiz master? I know. Well, I'm apologies. Well, we had the whole joke of what colour what Harley Quinn's hair was, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's very true. We have to fact you, check these you, things sometimes. You both challenge me hard. There you go. Fair point. Okay. Point for I you. I got a Paul. point. Beautiful. Are you ready for the next one? Yeah. Yes. Right. I don't necessarily need the scientific names. I want you both to buzz in, by the way, because you both have to be the first one to say it. But okay. what did the Duke say his three fears were? Okay, I've got it. Can I say it? Yep, go. I'm buzzing in. Go. I'm buzzing in. You don't need scientific names. Okay. Flights, heights, and confined spaces. Wrong. Mm. See, I knew flights. It's flights and heights and... You? I don't know. I can't think of the other one. You? (laughs) (laughs) You could just be getting sassy with Robert De Niro. You're both wrong. Do you want me to tell you what it was? What? Yeah. Arachnophobia, aerophobia, and claustrophobia. Oh. Arachnophobia. I don't remember yeah. him saying that. Spiders I thought, flying. I thought and the flights and heights, though, it rings a bell. The what? The flights flight. and heights, he definitely said, yeah. No, he said he didn't say it. He said aerophobia. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Know. He, might he didn't diff- need the scientific name. I know. But it's a fear arachnophobia of flying. Arachnophobia is a fear of flying. Mm. Try to fact check me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done you. You just got two. I points I got two points. Today. It's fine. That's. I'm, I'm not still nowhere near you, but I take that as a win. You might overtake me. Well, maybe. There you That'd go. That'd be nice. And that's the end of the quiz. Ben, thirty-one points. Adam, twenty-three points, and me on eighteen points. Exactly. Shall we move on to midnight run? Let's go to midnight run. How much time you got left? Friday midnight, I default. I eat the full 50. This Friday? That's five days. Forget it. You go final. Oh, give Jack, me my money. All right, look, listen to me. I'll give you four. I'll give you 50 grand. 50 grand? I got to chase you down for 1,200. Forget about it. No, 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 no. Jack, please. Jack, just, Jack just... nothing. Forget about it. What else you got? God, I got nothing. This is it. If you don't find this guy, I'm out of business. Eddie, I'll do it for 100,000. 100,000? Are you out of your mind? This is an easy gig. It's a midnight run, for Christ's sakes. Maybe I haven't noticed, but I'm tired of getting shot at. I'm tired of this miserable fucking business, every lowlife that I run into. If you're gonna pay me, you gotta pay me what's right. You want me for this job? Give me what's right. First of all, the guy is an accountant. He's not gonna shoot you. All you have to do is find him. You put him in a bag, hit him with a rubber hose, bring him home. Oh, man, it's easy for you to say. Listen to me, it's 100,000, no more, no less, and I want a contract. Contract? That's right, I want it in writing. $100,000 and I'll have the Duke here for you by Friday night. Now, can I have my 1,200, please? You're worse than any crook I ever put a bond up for. Okay, everyone, today we're doing Midnight Run from 1988. This is a film choice from the Mr. Jamie Russell. This is a spoiler episode. We'll go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you haven't seen the film, we'll spoil it for you. So go watch it or just be spoiled, whatever you want to do. But first, Adam, do you want to do a nice little prop prop summary? Prop summary. Prop summary. Plot summary. Um, Yes, so this film is about... uh, 
Robert De Niro, who is a bounty hunter, who has been asked to go and get the bounty of a guy who has pissed off a lot of people, like the Mafia and the FBI, and everyone's after this guy. And Robert De Niro's got a game from New York back to Vegas, or LA. Vegas, wasn't it? Uh, no, he, he pursues him to Vegas. Yes. Yeah, and then he got to get a game. Yeah, anyway, he's got to get him across America while everyone else is also hunting him down. And it's a big spiral of events. Very big spiral. Not the one with Chris Rock. No, not that one. Definitely not that one. I don't really have trivia, but I'll just say that this year I've been trying to do as many De Niro films as I could, but I kind oh, of yes. took a break a few months back, after, particularly after Dirty Grandpa, which was just horrendous. <laughs> um... <laughs> So this was obviously on my list, and this was a uh, film which came very highly regarded. I was always aware of it, but I'd never seen it. So the fact that Jamie picked it for us to cover uh, this year made me very excited. And we'll find out what I thought of it. Very soon. Adam, seeing as you do it every time, do you want to pick the order? Do you want us to go in our first impressions? Yes. I am going to let Ben go first. Then I'm gonna go, and then Paul's gonna go. Oh, is that reverse shit, film busters son. order? I reverse like film busters. Reverse film busters. Okay. Actually, no, no, everyone. no. I'll do Ben, Paul, me, because I've already seen it before. What do you think you're special? Yeah. Going lost? Yeah, yeah, I do. Now shut the fuck up and go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot that you'd seen it before, Adam. So I don't even know what your score was actually. Nor do I deleted it, and then I kind of forgot clever, about it. Clever girl. Um. I'm hungover, everyone, so I'm not going to be as articulate as I normally would be. So it's going to be my please level. bear with me. I have no notes. Uh, so watched this a couple of days ago. As I said, I was very primed and prepped to enjoy it, and um, it can't just be me. But I got huge planes, trains, and automobiles vibes from the whole film because it was kind of like that. It was the Here's two unlikely people who are stuck together for a prolonged period of time and we're going to follow them as they journey across America using various different transport methods and they're going to get into hijinks and pranks and stuff like that. The, diff- the difference being that this one was like also like a, a thriller. It had all these elements. Like you just said, Adam, it had the FBI, it had the bell bondsman, um, it had the bounty hunters, the mafia. Did I say the mafia? Mm. All of them like as a uh, background to the pursuit across America and uh, I fucking loved it I thought it was one of the best uh, De Niro films I've seen certainly in a long 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 time um, it shows that comedy is not a new thing for him I knew that anyway because of King of Comedy um, I knew he could do comedy but it just goes to show how when he was like at the peak of his career like late 80s he was able to choose what he wanted to do as opposed to what he now does, which is just take everything for the money. So he chose to do that comedy because he believed in it. And him and Grodin, Charles Grodin, they clearly liked each other off camera. And that, to me, comes through in their performance because they're very comfortable together. Even though Charles Grodin isn't, I, like, he's not the greatest actor. And if this film has any flaw, I think it's that... Grodin is a little bit of a personality vacuum, slightly. He doesn't really have any personality. <laughs> but he's kind of sweet 
for that reason and he works up against the Nero's like foul mouth nonsense uh, so I'll articulate this better in the main review but I had a great time I had a lot of fun was loving all the way through really enjoyed it I think the score and the soundtrack is amazing it's a 9 out of 10 9? Wow. whoa 9 wow look oh, at yeah. that well shall I go now? yes yeah. so aside from being a little too long I can't really see any reason why someone could like dislike or even hate this film really because mm. It's, it's fun. It's a, it's a good film. I'm not stretching to a great on this initial watch, but I enjoy myself. De Niro, De Niro and Grodin, make a, they make a fun pair. The, the constant mishaps of all the people trying to keep up with them across country is great. They always seem to just be a little too late. Um, and I, I especially love the, uh, the two wise guys who work for Serrano. Like, do you know when, they're, when he's like <laughs> play-fighting him on the phone? That's yeah. quite funny, um, but it's, it's nice to see De Niro in, in a, like a, a light-hearted and actually in a good story for a change, in like a comedy kind of light-hearted r- way, and like especially in his heyday. The um, the the Danny Elfman score, as you said, was great. It was funky and on point. Mm, it was it funky. Was good. Um, I wouldn't say I found it too funny though for a comedy. There was like some entertaining moments here and there but I don't, I don't think there was nothing that made me like laugh out loud I was like a little little maybe a little chuckle at the most <laughs> but I, I had fun I don't think it's great but it's good and it's getting so respectful 7, 7 out of 10 yeah yeah mm, can okay. see that one coming um, so when I first watched this film it was probably about I want to say about 2 years ago maybe if not less but I watched it and I thought it was kind of okay. I, the, and I think I gave it 6 out of 10. Oh, right. And this rewatch has changed my score. And mm-hmm. it has gone up. But I don't know how much it's gone up by still. I very much enjoyed it. And it's great to get into it. And it is just, it is fun. And there are some great one-liners in it. There are some just classic lines. Or oh, you want to, class- well, you know classic lines, but you feel like they are classic lines. It's great, just silly, but kind of serious at the same time. Um, you don't know really who to root for. It's just got all these different aspects coming in. Um, but I think it's... I was like, why did I give this film a six? This is so much better than a six. I'm really enjoying this. It's got to be an eight. It's got to be an eight. But I feel like the runtime maybe was a bit too long in the end. It's funny that you both say that. Mm. It's two hours ten for a film that, I should, in my opinion... Shouldn't be two hours ten. Does I didn't even realise it was be, that long. Mm. Doesn't it need to be that long. Yeah, over two um, hours. <clears throat> so by the end of it, you're kind of wanting it to end rather than being immersed in the magic. And for that reason, it's a seven out of ten as well. Fair dues. Before we go there on to it, go. do you want to hear Jamie's? Yes. yes. We've got a short Let's. paragraph from him. He yeah. also gives it a nine out of ten for for clarity. Oh yeah. He says. As soon as you get that opening scene and hear Elfman's glorious score, you know that you're in for a good time. The developing relationship between Grodin and De Niro's characters is wonderfully observed, and I always have a good time watching this. Yeah, the thing is, the, the film, again, is great fun. Like You're not going to have a bad time watching this film. It's just by the end of it, it's kind of... All the good points are getting strained on because of maybe the runtime of it. Well, funnily enough, I didn't think about the runtime at all. It didn't even occur to me. I thought it was like perfectly paced. It never felt like 
not to make a ridiculous comparison, but like with June, where mm. I was really struggling with the last half hour in terms of like just wrap it up. With this, it never felt to me like okay, this is now running too long because the story all felt natural. It felt it had the right pacing. There was like, what would you take out from it, for example? I don't know if you take anything out. Yeah, that's the thing. It's weird because it, you, you it do, wasn't a point they dragged. It's just yeah. the film might have dragged. If that makes it sense. got to a point in the film where I felt like he got he got the Duke. And had already gone through some mishaps, and I was like, oh, it must be surely wrapping up now. And then I had a little look, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it got ages. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I fucking love De Niro, so it's he's just always so watchable anyway. And maybe I was just so relieved to be seeing him just doing his thing. Mm. Like, but he is so watchable, and maybe that is what it is. Is There is some great actors in this film as well. And but with De, when De Niro's that good, they kind of almost shine away a little bit. If that makes sense, like. Well, I think the thing that the thing that probably made it work the most for me is that we were actually saying <clears throat> before this um, before this podcast, we were talking about films. Funny that we were talking about films like this. We were talking about films like Smoking Aces, Snatch, um, Rock and Roller, where you've got lots of uh, different groups of criminals normally that are all destined to meet at mm. the end mm. and how I don't really like those films because um, you don't really get a chance to delve into the detail of any of them so it comes across as silly whereas in this one what I liked was that you had that core storyline De Niro Grodin which was was I agree it's not like barely laugh laugh out loud funny but there were lots of humorous funny moments in it for me and that's just how calm Grodin is compared to how De Niro is always calling him like a son of a bitch. You shut the fuck up. If he's punching out people, I like that. Mm. And I like how their, their relationship slowly grows and becomes this like odd friendship by the end. But so you're not constantly with them. Every time it cuts back to like Joe Pantaleone as the bell bondsman or cuts back to those like silly mafia brothers or the head of the mafia or the FBI when they're talking to that other bounty hunter, all of those felt good like i enjoyed seeing those storylines it wasn't like as soon as you cut to them i wanted you to get back to de niro and grodin like let's yeah. see how they're doing it was like oh i like this because this is funny i like the fact that the bell bondsman ha you know the guy working with him was actually informing the mafia as well i like so the obviously. two mafia brothers <laughs> like, how yeah, did not so pick up on that <laughs> let me go get some donuts <laughs> and i like the the silly maf mafia brothers I liked the head of the mafia because he was actually pretty brutal as well. Like when he's saying to Grodin at the end in the car, when he's like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to go home, I'm going to shower and I'm going to go and kill your wife. Mm. That's brutal. You know you know he's in Snatch. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's also in um, some of the uh, Godfathers, I think. Sorry, uh, some of the Sopranos. Um. He is. He's, isn't he? he's in Goodfellas as well, I believe. Isn't he the guy who tells Joe Pesci to go and get your no, fucking that's shine him. box? That's um, that's a different actor. That's what's his name? Frank something or other. Frank Vincent. His name is the guy that's who right. you're thinking of. Yeah, Frank Vincent. You're right. Yeah, I I agree with you though. Like, I don't think there was any weak characters or group of characters. Everyone was very watchable. I was no point. I was like, get back to De Niro. I was enjoying everyone's like. Art mm. through it, and yeah, it was, I I enjoyed it. It's it's I just I just didn't I don't know. It's it's really weird. I can't think why. I just liked it. I that's it. I think it's just it. I just didn't think it was great. I just thought I just, I've had fun with it, and that's it. <laughs> so I can't uh, I can't really work out why. 
I didn't like it that much because everyone everyone did their part. It was it was a fun ride. I don't like the score was great. Uh, yeah, there was no weak characters, really. I can kind no. of get what you mean with with Grodin. Um, I enjoy I enjoy the fact that um, they are almost on the opposite side of the spectrum, aren't they? So it's like he's his his very physical way to approach things, where he is more like a pacifist. And I yeah. enjoy like the the kind of discussions between them and when they they do that little stick up in the in the cafe to get the money. That's that is the best clever. part of the film. Yeah, it's very clever. Mm, it's very good. Yeah, but they have some they have some very good conversations between them both. I feel I they improvised I feel, a lot of it yeah. as well, which I think is why it worked because it kind of feel, feels believable that intimacy between them that grows. Like when you spend a lot of time with someone in close quarters over a prolonged period of time, you're going to form a connection. And I kind of, re- I just really felt it. And that's why I think a lot of De Niro comedies recently, apart from them just being appallingly written, is that he just doesn't care about the film he's in, mm-hmm. and he certainly is not interested in forming any sort of connection or relationship with like fucking Zac Efron. Mm, yeah. um, so it feels very stilted and shit and over the top. Yeah, just give me the that subtlety paycheck. of this comedy. Yeah, there's subtlety to his comedy here because he. He's like, well, I don't. I'm not going to overblow it. I'm mm. not, it doesn't need to be overblown. Yeah, it definitely felt like he wanted to be there. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I think he looks. He looks back at. And funnily enough, when we were watching the film, it got to that scene. Weirdly, right, the scene where early on, um, what's his name, Lorenzo, Lonzo, the FBI guy. Oh, uh, who, who Alfonso. Al- steals his Alfon- ID. Alfonso. Yeah, Alfonso. He takes Alonso. That's it. Alonso. He takes. Uh, you know, he, sh- he bundles De Niro into the back of that car, and then they're all sitting there with the sunglasses on. Yeah. And then when he comes out, he's nicked his badge, and as the car pulls away, he's like, he spins around in the I, street with the badge. I wrote that, that bit down specifically. <laughs> that made that me was laugh. so good. But that scene, weirdly, when I went to see De Niro, the De Niro talk at the BFI a couple of years ago, that scene they showed, they they did like three clips the whole evening. Mm. One was Irishman, one was Raging Bull. And the other was this. And I thought, that's such a strange clip. Like, when I rewatched it in the film, I was like, I wonder why they picked that clip. But then I was like, oh, maybe it's because it is just that De Niroism. Like, I can imagine that not being in the script mm. and Same. De Niro whipping around with that, like that. It's very, it's very natural, very silly, very funny. There was another point. Do you know when they're sitting in the, the carriage on the back of the train? Yeah. Do you know when they jump on the train and they're having a talk about would they be friends? Mm-hmm. Apparently that was all improvised as well. Yeah, so I heard. They improvised that. They improvised the scene with the money that you were talking about as well. Do you know what I felt improvised actually was I I picked up on it because I was like, that's weird. When he is talking to, what's he buying? Is he buying a train ticket? He's basically buying something from a, from a lady, right? And. Oh yeah, it is, it is he basically shows a... his badge, and then he yeah. says, "My name's Alonzo," and he goes, "I mean, I mean, um, Jack." Yes. And then I was like, "That's weird," because you should have kept it with Alonzo, because <laughs> then she said, "You said, but your badge says Alonzo." I felt like he just got that said that by accident. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I've, I've, he's good at doing that. There's a scene in Casino that mm. I always think of where he fi- he's firing the guy someone from the casino and the guy says to him you're firing me and then De Niro goes 
no, I'm not firing you, I'm firing you. And then he oh, yeah. looks cross. He looks cross at himself very briefly, like frustrated. And I always think, you fucked up the line there, haven't you? But yeah. Scorsese's like, well, I like this, so I'm keeping it in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's kind of like he said it in a jokey way and he goes like, no, I'm not just getting rid of you, I'm properly getting rid of you almost. Yeah, it probably it probably almost makes it feel more natural because he's like all built up in the moment and he's like says something wrong because he's so like pent up with anger. I mean, this is why he this film probably works for me particularly well because I just I'm adore that De Niro. Like for me, there is no greater performer than De Niro in his heyday. He mm. just his not just the intensity of of certain roles, but how. Forget him, all the stuff about him being real method. It's his presence on camera. He is so watchable. Every little glimpse, little smirks. I love it. Whenever you see a De Niro smile in a film, mm. I love it. Yeah. A little smirk. It's like, oh, God, that feels like, you know, it feels like the Paul Hollywood handshake from Bake Off. It's like you want <laughs> you want to get that little smile from De Niro. When you get that little smile. The smile and the, the moment, <laughs> Yes. The moment it happened in this film was when Charles Grodin said to him, what what animal would you have sex with? Because of the fact that it was improvised. So he yeah. was like, <laughs> the smile comes to his face. It's like, I like that. And I also like the silliness of like the other bounty hunter and him punching him out almost every time they meet. Yes, yeah. It's, I think it does, you can feel it that he's 100% having fun with this film. And just like showing that moment with showing his FBI badge. Yeah. That instantly... I that's I don't know why, but that is my most standout shot of the film. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I wrote it down. And it doesn't surprise me that maybe that's why they showed that, because it feels so natural. And I can imagine him just just having fun with the crew and just be like at the end of the shot, and everyone just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's a great way of kind of just saying what the film's about. It's like a tone setter for this film. Hmm. Hmm. It's like almost if you wanted a trailer, it's like that. I enjoyed it as well. Had... I enjoyed as well with Alonso, where all his little cronies around him, and they're almost saying the most obvious things, and he just keeps looking at him at the end of each yeah. scene, like "shut the fuck up." We know what's going on. <laughs> there was loads of actors that were in part of Alonso's crew that I'm like, I recognise you, I recognise you, but they were like young versions of themselves that have gone on to be in. Yeah, there's one guy particularly, and I was like, I cu- but I couldn't place him. I actually yeah. haven't even looked at the cast to see who it could have been. But the, um, Alonso is actually... Oh, God. I've forgotten his name now. Yafit Cotto. He is Mr. Big in James Bond in Live and Let Die. This means so, nothing to me. <laughs> I'm trying to think what his actual name is in it, though. Kananga. He's Kananga. Kananga. He, he basically gets stuck with this... Um, he gets hit with a dart right at the end of Live and Let Die. And he inflates... <laughs> It and it explodes like a balloon at the end. It's Crazy. so great. His eyes like popping out his head. <laughs> but anyway, oh, back dear. to Midnight Run. <laughs> yes. Joe Pantaleone as the Bell Bondsman was very funny, uh, very engaging, liked his energy throughout. Loved it when he had to run to the Chinese restaurant mm. to pick up the phone mm. as well. Mm. He, uh, he, has, he does have some good energy in this. Good I think he always energy. does. Yeah, he, he does. He does I, bring I, that I can't think of something energy. that I've seen that's bad. The first film I ever saw him in was Memento. Yeah, Memento, so Matrix. He, he's always Teddy to he's me. In he's in Sopranos as well. He's always Teddy to me. Yeah, he's in Sopranos. I feel like I saw Memento before I even saw Goonies. I feel like I saw Goonies late in life, because then I was like, oh, right, it's Teddy from Memento. 
Or maybe I saw Goonies and just didn't Who is him. it? He's in Goonies. Yeah, he's one of the brothers in Goonies. Oh, okay. One of the bro- I was thinking he's one of the kids. I no, like, what? <laughs> him and one other guy are Mama's sons in the Goonies. Oh, okay. I'm not the biggest fan of the Goonies. No, I'm not. I do. It is good. It's good fun, but it's not. It is good. Cult it's not following in it. Yeah, some people just absolutely adore it. I don't absolutely adore it, but it is. It is good. My biggest, see, my biggest memory of the Goonies is right at the end. They there's a guy who has loads of money or something and he goes really excited and he throws it all in the air and you get a shot of him throwing it in the air and it cuts to it all going into the sky and then another thing gets thrown like another bit of money like oh yeah it's not enough money it's not enough money <laughs> keep throwing money up in and the i air always remember shot. it i always used to rewind it and be like look at this scene it's shit <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny about things like that sometimes man. these are the things that stick with you and like get in your crawl yeah <laughs> um uh, the, the score is super cool in this because the, it is true what Jamie says. As soon as you hear that score right at the beginning, that funkiness, like you're tapping away to it solo. and you're enjoying it. You're loving it. You're loving mm. it. It's like, I'm, I'm with this. And at the end, right at the end as well, when he's like, well, looks like I'm walking. And then the credits kick in and the music kicks in. You're like, oh, what a great ending. Yeah, it's so 80s, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is very 80s. That is a good ending. Um, the it's very th- like detective noir, kind of like, yeah. like all the bass. Yes, it's very, very Beverly Hills Cop as well, though. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah, police. It's like a police. See this for me, cop so show, isn't it? To compare it to another one of of Martin Brest's films, I, this is much better than Beverly Hills Cop. I enjoy it so much. Oh more. yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I I have no, I don't really, I don't really have a memory of Beverly Hills Cop. It's fine, but I don't rate Beverly Hills Cop. Like many people do. See, they. I feel like that Beverly Hills Cop. The comedy is so downplayed in that film that it's not really that funny. Well, funny. <laughs> I, I like thought Beverly Hills I, Cop was a bit more obvious. Oh, I, I see. I can't even remember it, it being funny. <laughs> Maybe it is supposed to be funny, but I just don't find it. It's funny. stupidly funny, funny in funny. some ways. Like when he's fucking with the people outside the hotel, wasn't he? Yeah, and that's exactly what I started thinking of. But maybe that's Did the only funny bit. Someone steal his car in Beverly Hills Cop. No, he maybe steals their them. car, doesn't he? He steals like the police. The he police puts a banana car. in their exhaust, doesn't he? Yeah, or something. We like have that. great memory of this. Or film. a sausage in their exhaust. And he keeps getting all the food <laughs> delivered to them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's Best stop talking about th- everything but Midnight <laughs> Run. We keep going off on tangents about other films and shows. <laughs> I enjoyed. I really wanted to know how he did the little flicky lock pick. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? When he kept tapping it with his top finger. I can imagine it's like he keeps tapping it and as it drops down, drops down, it finally finds the right groove that mm. he can then twist. It was very, very good. I, and I liked that mafia, that head mafia guy. I mean, it, he was he was funny, but also intimidating. Mm, mm. And there was a guy that was with him all the time who I just can't unsee. He's from Seinfeld. He's Bookman, the library detective in a Seinfeld oh, yeah. episode. I watched that one the other day. There you go. And it was him. Another, another good, good moment as well. So he's he's speaking to Eddie on the phone, and he's he's getting angry that he's 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 passing the job off to the other bo- to the other um, bounty hunter, and he's like, "I'll shoot him and dump him in the swamp." And then he looks at uh, Duke and he's like, "No, I'm no, not, yeah, that's I'm right. not really going to do that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a good facial expression. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> it was very good. I just uh, the funny thing about this film is that it's actually quite hard to. Talk about why it works so well. It just kind of, it kind of does. It does just click with you. It doesn't click with you so much. Yeah. 
it was just a very uh, just peak enjoyable cinema like I'm watching it and I got exactly what I wanted out of it like I say the only I, I would say if there was a negative the negative I think for me was Charles Grodin now let's talk about Charles Grodin for a minute I literally only know this man from Beethoven as the dad yeah from that's, that's the only thing I know from yeah well the dog film. Always, yeah Aww. he was a dad in that so when he when when I saw that him and De Niro in this film I was like oh right so Charles Grodin is going to actually be turning up and doing some acting in this film and he kind of <laughs> he kind of isn't like you know the way he looks his face is very ordinary his clothes are very ordinary and his whole disposition is kind of very ordinary as well and I know that was probably the character that's the character mm, he's meant to be very chilled and zen and all that but I kept thinking I don't know. I just must have built it up in my head because I thought when De Niro catches him in a very funny scene as well, by the way, when he's behind the shower door and he's like, get yeah, that dog yeah. out of here. Um, <laughs> when he catches him, I'm like, oh, he's not going to really have caught him here because Charles Grodin's just playing this role as someone who's a little bit low-key. Yeah. Charles Grodin's going to suddenly disappear or go off here and do this. But that never happens. He was just like, well, here I am. I'm this accountant. I'm this ordinary guy. Maybe if I'd known that was how it was going to be from the off, I would have viewed it a little more kindly, but I kept waiting for Grodin to turn it up a gear, and he never mm. really did. But it kind of works as the antidote to De Niro. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'd, I'd say. It does kind of because he's he's very like elaborate bounty hunter. Yeah, violent and like swearing all the time, and then he's just really downplayed man, just <laughs> dishing out average wisdom. The way De Niro says "son of a bitch" in this, he says it so much. He keep got you, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. No one delivers that line like him. People don't say son of a bitch enough. That's a very good, very good insult. How about the bit where he says he's saying who his phobias and he's like, I'll give you fistophobia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's great. I think these things things are funnier to think about than when they actually happen in the film. <laughs> oh, I, I, had, I had a good time with it all. I still had a good time with it. I still had a good time. Everyone, everyone was very good. This is very hard to talk about because I know I knew it'd be hard to talk about coming into this film. Yeah. it's because it's a it's because it's a, like a subtle comedy. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's kind of like you just kind of talk about your bits and then move on. Yeah, there aren't it's too like, many it's layers. Like, it's like with Nice Guys, right? Because you did because you really disliked it. They, I think there's a little bit more like mystery elements to Nice Guys, so you can kind of talk about it. Yeah, but also the fact that we they didn't also like have it. the extra element that you didn't like it. But there you go. So here, this is what's interesting: is that even though for me this is better than Nice Guys, there's more to talk about for Nice Guys because of those layers, as you discuss, as you mentioned. Mm. There's mm. more to talk about. Whereas in this, it's like everything's just working well, <laughs> so there, yeah. there isn't as much to to go into other than how happy that's I am. Found, that's what I find it well. very hard. That's why I was just like, aside from it being too long, I don't really see why someone wouldn't like it. Yeah. No, I can't say, like well, just, maybe some people will be like, oh, I wasted my time, it wasn't funny, I didn't find it funny. Maybe, but it's, it's still entertaining. It unless is. you're coming in, unless you're, if you, unless you're coming into the film thinking, I want to watch this film because I want to laugh so much. Yeah. Unless you're that kind of person who, who literally looking for to laugh, yeah. I don't think you can blame it for not being that funny. No. It's still entertaining. Still entertaining. It was, it was, it was good. Um, do you want to know what other stuff the writer did? Yeah, go on. 
Um, he did all the bad boys, which I've never seen a single bad boy. Bad boy for life. Oh, bad boys. I thought the film was called All the Bad Boys. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that film? All of those bad boys films. He wrote all of those. Oh, no, hang on. Oh, he really? actually wrote the first one, and then they took his story for the subsequent ones. I see. Oh, my Lord. So I've just found out something live. Okay. They did a television series spin-off of this film called Midnight Runaround. Really? Who's in it? And it's it was well, not De Niro and Grodin. Um but those characters, so someone called Christopher McDonald plays Jack Walsh. And who's Marvin? Was Marvin the guy was Marvin Charles Grodin? Uh well Marvin Dorfler is played by someone called Edo Ross in this. Anyway, basically They've made a television series of it, which ran for how long? Oh, no, sorry. It's not a television series. It's a TV movie. So it was a spin-off. Oh, okay. Midnight was it Run spin- Do you reckon it's a spin-off or do you reckon it's just a... How, when would they make it? Uh, they made it six years later. Oh, yeah. It's, and probably, the it's, probably not, is, it's probably a sequel. Bounty hunter Jack Walsh heads for a small rural community in Oklahoma to bring back a young bail jumper, only to discover that the entire town has united to prevent the young man's arrest. I mean, the thing is, you could watch it and go, oh, this was quite good. They this just was- made that again, because why would he go after him again? I think it's a different guy. I don't think it's the accountant. Oh, okay. I think right, that right, is, right, is right, a different right. guy. Yeah, um, his, name's not, his name's not Marvin, it's Jonathan Mardukas. Yeah, there you go. So I think for good reason, De Niro and Groden didn't return for that. So as and for the bad boys, like I guess, I mean from memory, the bad boy, the first bad boys films, okay. I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> They're not really. Yeah. It's Michael Bay in it. Are they all Michael Bay? Well, oh, there you go. Are they all Michael Bay? I believe so. Apart from the new one, maybe. I feel like the new one is Michael Bay. It uh, is Michael Bay. It is Michael Bay? Yeah. Bad Boys Two was directed by Michael. Oh yeah. Well, that's why I've stayed away. Clearly. I hate mm. Michael Michael Bay. We know. But, uh, like, just, you know, I think the difference, basically what you're both saying, kind of your score reflects how I imagine most people would feel this film is, which is like, seven, it was good, I had a good time. I haven't really got much to say about it. Whereas I think, for me, it's a nine, because I can imagine watching this again and again and again, and De Niro's I could, I could, very I can imagine watching it again. Do you, do you think that... Your love of De Niro has elevated this film. Yeah, hundred percent. Because if it was if it was a different, let's say it was Andy Garcia mm. in the role instead, it would still be good. I would still enjoy it, but I might not give it a nine. Yeah, yeah. It's seeing De Niro, like you know, it's like your favorite. I don't know. It's like you don't follow sports, but like if your favorite football player suddenly watching an old video of them, like watching Eric Cantona in nineteen ninety seven playing the game of his life and going oh this is just beautiful to see it's like I know now you're older you don't really do it when we see you perform now it's not great but I watch you play in 97, 98 oh man it's like rolling back the years and seeing De Niro it just made me so happy to see De Niro new De Niro in his element just being yeah. wonderful mm. it was uh, it was fantastic shall I tell you where it places in my De Niro listology oh, yeah, so it is the uh since the Irishman, it's the first film that's come in quite high. So it's eleventh uh, out of all the De Niro films. What's around it? Um, so from top to bottom, The Irishman, Godfather Part Two. Uh, oh, sorry, it's actually tenth. It's not. 11th Wait, are you doing this on 
De Niro in the films or the films? The films. And, okay. and, De, and De, yeah, it's, it's the films. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to rate, rate De Niro. No. <laughs> yeah, but he could be in a, like, a shit film and be fantastic in a shit film. And then so, you... for example, Al Pacino in, in yeah. Jack, Jack and Jill, and Jill. Be yeah. number one. <laughs> but yeah, no, I wouldn't be doing that. So from top to bottom, so it's Irishman, Godfather Part 2, Casino, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Heat, Raging Bull, The King of Comedy, A Bronx Tale, then this in 10th, and then just below that is Joker, and analyze this. It's funny because, oh, uh, yeah, no, The King of Comedy is still the best comedy film with De Niro, in my opinion. But mm. I need to rewatch that. It's been a while. I used to watch it a lot. But um, very, very dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I just remember finding it very funny. I don't feel. I feel like Joker came along and made it seem much darker than it was beforehand. Maybe. Yeah. I need to. Wa- I want to watch it again. It is nuts sure. how Joker came along and basically said, "Yeah, we're going to remake King of Comedy, but with Joker." I know, but it's the same. It's the same thing that's always been done. It's like Scarface overtaking the original Scarface. It's like no, everyone thinks of Al Pacino. Mm. Not saying that it's the, the original is not a great film. Yes, it is. I love that original. Yeah, it's great. Well, you crazy. This is the last time I'm going to do anything. Give me a second, you? you must be educated. Get education. That's Tony in the original one. How to get a scar like this eating pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel with... that? I'm just trying to think how, how I would enjoy this film more. How would you feel if, instead of Charles Groban, it was Jim Carrey? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know... That oh, I'd love it, mate. Yeah, would you? Know? Jim Carrey and Robert if, De Niro. If Jim Carrey film. was in that role and Jim Carrey was doing all his, it was like, oh, no, what this if it is was a downplayed, downplayed Jim Carrey? What if he was downplayed and if he was acting like Charles Grodin, it might work, yeah, but not if he was doing his usual Jim Carrey nonsense. Nonsense, just a little nonsense. Bit that would be more of a modern day De Niro type film to do. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like it, yeah. I mean, maybe it's better that Grodin was as understated as he was because if he did start doing that sort of silly flapping about the place, mm. look at me wibbling my hands and gyrating and this. This is funny because I'm moving my hands all over the place and talking in silly voices. It is funny. It's like we're not children. This isn't a clown's party, Jim. It is funny though. Go go into the kids' room. The adults. Okay. How about this? Here, I found it. I found it. It's Robert De Niro. And Robin Williams. That was gonna. That was going to be the casting. That Did would you know be that? amazing. They were going to cast him. Really? I think I would, mm. I would enjoy it more if it was him. I agree. It, you could almost see Robin Williams in that role. Yes. Definitely. I don't know why it didn't happen. Something happened and he ended up not being able to do it. But that would have been, yeah. But props to Grodin because it still works. It's not that he yep. didn't act well. He di- he he acted the role that was on paper. It was just very subdued all the way through. Mm. Like he didn't emotion. I think the thing about it was Grodin didn't emotionally react to things like when the guy's telling him, "I'm going to kill you," and like when he was picked up by De Niro and being returned to the bail bondsman. Like he knew he was going to end up dying, but he was more like, yeah, it's "Well, not you're, a way a you're taking would me act. back to my death." I'm, I'm going to die there. I can't do that. There yeah. wasn't any... No, stop. You can't do this. There was Where's no... the emotion behind your words? Yeah. It was very... I'm just calmly assessing my situation. But then that was his carefree attitude. Mm. Like young Adam. Mm. Yes. Adam's got a new tattoo, everyone. Oh, yeah. I forgot oh, yeah. about that. 
Yeah, but I forgot about that. Yeah. Is that you're not going to tell anyone, Adam? That's it. Do I need to tell people? Only if you want to. Me and Ben are going to get a tattoo tonight together. Are you? Yeah. Oh, God, I might throw up if I did. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be I've bleeding got, all over the place with your thin out alcohol reserves. So I'm better for tonight. Anyway, I kind of don't have too much more to say about this film. But, but I say that with all the love in the world. I just think it is what it is. It speaks for itself beautifully. And mm. uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of it. And it was so good to see De Niro riding the wave again. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I'll say I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Yes. I would definitely watch this film again. Yeah. I would watch it again. Yeah, 100%. I would, yeah, yeah. I you would, get a nice uh, feeling from it. You do. It's funky. It's cool. It's fun, and it could totally feel like a sort of if I'm sick on a Sunday, pop yeah. it on, lie on the couch. Yeah. Great entertainment. Definitely, that's that kind of film for sure. A little hug. Yeah. Oh. So there we go then. Do you want to hear what um, some other people have to say? Yeah. Our lovely fans yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. First, we have Steve Price. And he says, one of my all-time favourites. Big talk. Look at that. All-time That favorites. is big. That is big. And we might as well, we might as well go straight on to the next one. Rob1977 said, it's my fave movie. End of. Oh, wow. Favourite movie. Wow. Yes. No, it's fave, not favourite. There is a lot of love for this film, considering that Jamie Russell gave it a 9 out of 10 as well. Yeah. Ben gave it a 9 out of 10. Ben's given his last film a 9 out of 10. What do you mean? You went... Halloween. Oh, Halloween Kills, yeah. Mm. And you even went back to see Halloween Kills still, since then, haven't Your you? Your average is going up this month. Yeah, well, this month I've there's been a cracker for films. Always in that last quarter, it goes goes right up. Um, shall we place it? Yes, let's place this film. All right, everyone, we took a little break there. This film averages an eight with two sevens from Paul and Adam and two nines from me and Jamie. So averaging an eight, we have collectively... Well, not collectively. This was Adam's fault for giving Infinity War such a high score. It is the bottom of our eights, which means mm. below that is Beautiful Thing. Above Midnight Run is Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, Last Jedi. So it's still top tier, but I've got to say... It's quite high. It is quite high. Having two Marvel films above that is everything that's wrong with this podcast. Who, me? Am I the thing wrong with it? <laughs> Are no, you having two then? Marvel films above it. Yeah. I'm the wrong thing because I'm the one who gave them both a 10. <laughs> Those opinions, yes. Monstrous, monstrous, monstrous. monstrous. But ever um, so wonderful at the so same there time. It is. So thanks, Jamie. You gave us a very good film to, to watch this time. And actually, all of Jamie's sit in roughly the same stratosphere because The Vanishing and The Straight Story are only a few spots above, like seven or eight spots above. Um... The only one that Jamie's picked that divided us properly, I would say, is is Burn After Reading. But mm. The Straight Story and The Vanishing, which Jamie recommended, we were all pretty much on the same page with those ones. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So there you go. There we go. Thanks, Thank Jamie. You. Thanks, Jamie. Right, should we move on to our patron picks and the films they want us to talk about today? Mm-hmm. Right, so we do this every episode. Our patrons send over the films they've been watching this week. And first of all... We have Sean Pan and Nicholson, and he says, I watched Halloween Kills and absolutely loved it. It's up there as one of the best in the series. Do you want to comment on that? Exactly what I've been saying and the rest of the internet's been saying I'm wrong, but uh, your opinions mean nothing to me. Who, Sean? (laughs) (laughs) Sean, only your opinion means something to me. I went to see Halloween Kills again the other day because I wanted to see it anyway, 
uh, again, but also I was like, let me just see if there is even a hint in this fucking film of what these motherfuckers are talking about. But the bottom line is, this is a Halloween Michael Myers film. What are you expecting? What we got was incredible. If you had been told a couple of years ago that a Michael Myers Halloween film was coming out, people would never have expected it to have been on the level that this one just was. And the fact that it it, it was on that level is to the greatest uh, credit. And the fact that people are saying it's not good enough is like, what do you expect? You don't ask for much from your Marvel films. Mm. You don't you don't need much to make you happy when you're watching Marvel films, do you? But when a, a, a Halloween film does something as well as this one did, suddenly you turn into the biggest critics in the world. Come on. You are all foolish. Foolish. Because you think a Marvel film of which there are 30 cookie car is better than this you're wrong I watched um, the new series of the movies that made us and the first episode is on Halloween and then making the original one and it's really good it's really interesting to see how they did it all with the money and all of that type of stuff and then they have what's his name the new guy is it David Gordon Green or something like that isn't it yeah yep. and he's talking about it and just like his love for the films and how he learnt everything from John Carpenter and all of that. Well, that's it. You can tell he's a fan, and it's made with all the love in the world from a fan. Mm. And I, I won't even talk about it anymore, but just that it's been the worst. It's been one of the most frustrating things to see uh, recently, the terrible takes on Halloween Kills. Not because people aren't entitled to their opinion, but because everyone has been so... Like, their opinion is negative on it. But everyone is so vocal about it. It's like you were talking about a Halloween film for God's sake. Don't, you can't on the one talking about one of my family members. Yes. (laughs) Basically. But it's like, you can't on the one hand be being so critical and analytical of a Halloween film that, what, the 11th or 12th installment in a horror franchise and then not apply those same critical skills and abilities to most of the other pap that you are constantly thrilled by. Mm -hmm. I get it. Anyway, move on from that. He also says, I also watched Scream 1 to 4 and really enjoyed the experience. I'm very much looking forward to the new one in January. Scott, we had a little discussion about Scream in the last episode, didn't we? We did, yeah. Side about that. Scott will join us, I'm sure. Yeah. He said, I also watched Southland Tales and I really got to say it's not as bad as everyone says. It's a bit too ambitious and thinks it's cleverer and funnier than it is, but I really enjoyed the experience. It definitely would have worked better as a TV show so that the characters and world could have been more fleshed out. As it stands, it's a beautiful bloated mess that I kind of love. I've watched Southland Tales a very long time ago. What was Southland Tales? It's it's by the um, uh, director of Donnie Darko. What's his name? Are there cops in it? Something. Is, like does that. it follow cops? It's got Sean William Scott in it. Yeah, I watched that like fifteen years ago. I, oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about something new. Yeah, I remember watching it ages ago. I remember liking it, but I can't remember anything yeah, about it. Same. I remember liking it. That's it. Yeah. But I, I, I'd like to. I remember Justin Timberlake's in it, and he's got a scar on his face, and he does some singing. Or oh something. no, I don't know. That's not. That's not what I've seen. Then <laughs> <laughs> there's no Timberlake in this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was in it. Um. He lastly says, I've been watching the new season of Succession. Watching a bunch of horrible people screw each other over has never felt so good. I wanted to, for my end of month update this month, not even talk about films and just talk about how amazing Succession is. It's one of the best things I have seen in my entire life. I I feel it could be in the top three 
television shows of all time if it keeps up this quality to the well, end. I I've only watched honest. season one, but oh, it is just, just perfect. I, it's, oh man, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I just watched the therapy episode last night. Then, did you recognise who the therapist was? No, who is it? I did reckon he did seem familiar, but I didn't go. Oh, you're definitely yeah, that person. This is the lead from After Hours. Is it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> just older with a big old beard. Yeah. He look. <laughs> anyway, that episode was brilliant. This is like, well, I, was, I think I said to you the other day, Ben. It's like I was enjoying it, but I haven't quite. It hasn't quite smashed like Grabbed it hasn't. Yet. Hasn't quite. It's just been coasting almost, and now it's suddenly everything's falling into place. It's like the build-up is over now, and now we're in for the. Chaos. Do you know the funny thing about it is it gives me joy to even think about watching another episode. Like some TV shows, you're like, mm, well, I'm nice. in it and it's good, but it's like I'm just gonna now I'll watch this one, now I'll watch that one, now I'll watch that one. I mean, kind of two minds of it though like, at the moment. It's like because obviously the new series is airing at the moment. Yeah, it's like I want to binge all of it and catch up now. That's what I'm gonna do because it's like you're gonna see shit on the internet. Exactly. That's but why I also to, I have to do it now. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know you, the characters, it, it yeah. will definitely spoil it. Yeah, and, but there's also part of me that just wants to, you want to savour it. You want to watch here and there. But. I know. Next up, we have some words here from Julio. He says, "Talk to me about Lynch, Lynch's June boys. Since you adore him over there, I saw Ben gave it a three point five, and Paul gave it a two point five. I was bored out of my mind, but I'm glad I watched it before the new one, which is slightly more lively, but it still left me a little cold by the time it was over. I just had fun comparing the two. I mean, the the David Lynch June, like he infamously doesn't even like to talk about it because he is so heartbroken about how that ended. And this is why mm. he always goes for final cut on his movies now, because he's said that they essentially, essentially butchered it. Even if it had been done Lynch's way, I don't think it would, be, would have been one of his best films because it was like Lynch working from already existing text which is not something he does like Lynch Mm. creates himself whereas here he was like having to take someone else's work and then put his flourish on it I still enjoyed elements of it it's not it's not a great film but I I still think it was good and I gotta say I would recommend watching it before going to see this new June film because it just helps it's almost like giving you a little bit of research before you see this new one see this is the thing I didn't want to watch it because I don't I want to kind of find out everything that's happening first time round from this film that's fine mm. and I might watch it afterwards and then because yeah and then I'll just see what the difference was but but like basically everything was in the is in Lynch's one as well just done mm. differently but everything that n- there was no Does surprise he have in this worms? film uh, yeah but not it doesn't look like that one you're so you're so crass yeah disgusting <laughs> luckily for Julio we also have a, a little discussion about it in our Patreon episode of the month yes, that's right do. So you can check that out after this episode, Julio. Mm. Go check it out. Should we see what else Julio had to say? Yes, please. Yes. It was on a slightly more positive note. I also watched Undisputed, a 2002 boxing movie from Water Hill. And it was actually quite fun. My Water Hill exposure has been quite limited, but this was encouragement to check back more of his work. Much like another 48 hours was a discouragement to do so. I don't know who this is. I'm going to type Water Hill in right now. He did. And he see, did a film called Forty Eight Hours, which was an Eddie Murphy cop film. I've seen them both, and I cannot remember either of them. I don't oh really my god! Which. He did the Warriors. Warriors. No. Hell yes. That. You never Me seen Warriors? No, never. Really? Yep. Really. I thought you'd be all over that. Well, I've never seen it. I feel like that film's got you written from top to. If we weren't going to a gig tonight, I'd think bring so? it over, and you could borrow it. 
I'm not so sure. Really? Mm. Why? I've, I've, I, I don't, don't know. know. It just seems like know. a Ben film. I'm not sure. Well, keep it in the keep in the back pocket. When I look at all the other films that guy's directed, I can't imagine liking Warriors. It's nothing like Warriors. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> everything else is completely there. different. Com- Warriors. Oh just... damn! Southern Comfort. He directed oh, yeah, Southern Comfort. Comfort. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That is a good one. That's a weird one as well. Yeah, very weird. Drug induced. Yeah, all those like Cajun that Cajun community at the end. Fucking mental. Mm. Um. Well, uh, but also this undisputed. I don't know what what that is or who it's about. It's a boxing movie. I thought Julio didn't like boxing movies, or maybe I've got that confused. I'm pretty sure when he he covered that Stallone De Niro one recently, he had some comments about boxing films being all the same. I definitely said that before. You always say that, yeah. <laughs> um, well, there we go. Uh, Katie and Oti are up next, and they say, if you were looking to sink your teeth into a dynamic offering about the future of food, the next thing you eat slavers together unique human creativity and technological automation. Opens to an interesting topic of consuming meat that is humanely created and lessening impact on the environment than growing vegetables. Tasty times ahead. I haven't heard of this. I haven't heard of this. They always... they. I can't remember the last time they watched something that we'd heard of. I know. They are the trailblazers. They are. They're very contrarian with their picks. That's true. Uh, without knowing too much about it, it sounds like this is artificially created meat. Mm. Which I'm, I'm get, not sure how well, I feel about this. Surely not. Surely it's not artificial. Surely it's it's like protein based or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, protein based stuff. Yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff that they make. I'd imagine unless you're eating a bit of plastic. Well, we have to watch <laughs> it and see, won't we? Yes. Tasty times ahead for us. I love meat, though. God, I I'm, love meat. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> I What's, literally don't even think about it anymore. Oh, I had a, I had a McPlant burger. I had that the other day. Well, nice, wasn't it? It's all right. I quite like it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, McDonald's... You were giving your money to McDonald's and uh, Primark very freely in this episode. <laughs> was that even in the episode, the Primark thing? I can't remember. No, it was in the last one. It was in the patron bit. <laughs> uh, okay. And should we do final? Okay. The lastly, we have Jamie Russell, and he says, "I really enjoyed watching Color Out of Space. I see it as basically a spiritual sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing, as it's a Lovecraft film, and Carpenter's films often are Lovecraft influenced in some way. You just need to replace the dogs in The Thing with alpacas in this. Nicholas Cage delivers any other memorable loony performance, and I was heartened to see plenty examples of effective practical effects throughout as well. I will definitely be giving this one another watch." Mm. I've had that on my list for so long. I've watched Colour Out of Space and I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. It was... Oh, it just killed off Jamie's <laughs> mood. Um, I just <laughs> feel like it was so weird and everything that it kind of lost me pretty quick and then I just kind of lost interest in it, to be honest. And Are you sure I, you've seen Colour Out of Space? I'm and it wasn't sure. Mandy. They're both the same. And I remember Colour Out of Space. <laughs> They're both is, the same. They are. Colour Out of Space was kind of like... It was... It was it's like f- Mildly interesting... But it was... Yeah, um, it was colour out of space. I gave both it, seen it. I gave yeah. it a 6 out of 10. Okay. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but it was also like, it's kind of silly. It's it. It's almost every, weird for the sake of being everything's weird. Everything's very blatant, yeah. Like the alpaca stuff and, and all the, the colours and the purple and obviously Nicolas Cage's acting, as always. All of it is very forceful, front and centre on the nose. However, there's enough there to enjoy. Paul, you'll, you'll love it, I'm sure. 
We'll see. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch. It's been on my list for so long. It's certainly not on the level of the thing, though. Yes. Spiritual sure sequel, not. yes. Yeah. But Inferior sibling, Jamie, too, yeah. Jamie Russell absolutely loves the thing. So that's the interesting thing. Mm. That's the interesting thing. It is It is very Lovecraft. It is very Lovecraft. Uh, so it's, it's probably pretty true to original source material, I guess. But if it's like Bride of, Bride of Reanimator, I'm all in. Mm. Mm. I actually think it's a little too like sanitized in places. Like it has too much, even though they're going for weird, it's too obviously weird. It's like artificially created weird. So you're very aware that you're watching weirdness in a film as opposed to mm. being immersed in it. It's more like you're observing it rather than actually feeling it. Okay. Anyway, check it out. It's a good interesting. Call. I definitely will. Thanks, patrons. Thank you Wonderful all. Wonderful picks there. Thanks all. Right, shall we talk about what we're going to do next time? Oh, yes. The next episode is going to be a very peculiar one and, and a slightly self-indulgent one. So we are going to be joined. Adam isn't going to be with us for this one, sadly. I'm but not, no. we will be replacing him with Stacy, who is the founder of Rock Leopard Brewery. Now, Rock Leopard are one... This is very indulgent. And people who don't like beer, don't worry. It's still going to be a film podcast. But um, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of this brewery. I love his beers. He's a, a lovely guy. Um, he follows along as we release episodes and, and comments infrequently. But about six months ago, he said, you need to get me on your show sometime so I can discuss Tony Scott with you. Now, Tony Scott is a director that I've seen some of his films. I've got to say, I don't think of him too highly, generally, overall. But he has got a very strange, like, plethora of films mm. under his belt. and uh, He certainly has a style as well. He does, have, he does have a style, yes. We're, we're, we'll be talking about it next week, eh? Mm. So it'll be me and Paul and Stacey, and we will be discussing five Tony Scott films and just generally having a chinwig about why he means so much to Stacey, because I think Stacey's a big fan. Um, but you'll have to listen into the next episode as we do all-encompassing Tony Scott films. Fantastic. I can't wait. Can't Are you going to be listening, Adam? I will be listening. <laughs> I highly doubt you will. I, I highly doubt you will. <laughs> we'll see if I've got if I can be remembered to. If I can, if be, I can remembered. be remembered to. <laughs> you need to get some of these things in a quote book, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I can be remembered to. <laughs> uh, anyway, cheers, everyone. Thanks, and everyone. I'm, I'm yeah. going to try and recover from the hangover over the next four hours so that I can bounce back. And oh, see me. I wish you the best. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's